Welcome to the Authentic Church Podcast with Jeff and Fawn Peterson in Orange County, California, where our mission is simply to love God, love people, and live authentic. For more information on Authentic Church, visit us online at AuthenticOC.com. Thank you for listening. Today, we are launching into a new series uh, that we titled For the One. And this year, at the start of 2022, uh, the Lord gave us the word redeem. And he spoke to us out of Zephaniah chapter 2, verse 6 and 7, and then also out of Isaiah 54. And listen to this. This is how it reads in the message, Isaiah 54. It says, clear lots of grounds for your tents, authentic church. Make it large. Spread out. Think big. Use plenty of rope. Drive them tent pegs down deep. You're going to need lots of elbow room for your growing family. And so this year, we're anticipating uh, that God is, is, is growing his church. Now, mind you, growth isn't numbers. Uh, part of me, honestly, I could care less about that stuff, except for the fact that every number represents a person. Every seat in this building represents a meeting that somebody's going to have as they encounter God. And so we are passionate about filling God's house, not for the sake of a name, I could care less whether it's one person in the room or 500 people in the room, honestly. It's for the sake of people encountering God and discovering that community. So I'm gonna pray and we're gonna jump into this message for the one today. If you would just join me in prayer. God, we just thank you. God, thank you for meeting with us today. God, I thank you for worship and how beautiful it was just to gather and sing and praise you. And Lord, I just thank you that you just came in the room. You just came in the room. Something shifted today. Lord, we thank you. Lord, I ask that you, in, in these brief moments we have together, would you just speak to us today? Speak through your word. Lord, none of us came to hear a man speak, but we all came to hear you speak. And so we just ask you, Holy Spirit, do what you do best. Speak to hearts, minds, in Jesus' name. Amen. 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 Well, there's something supernatural when we gather in the house and for the next few weeks, we're going to be talking about the one. And I, I, would, I would gather that because everybody's here in this room, you're here because at some point in your life, someone invited you. At some point in your life, as a Jesus-loving follower of Christ, somebody extended an invitation to you and said, hey, you got to come to this worship night, or hey, will you come to this Bible study? Hey, you got to come check out this church, or whatever it might be. But somebody invited you to a place where there was worship, and the Bible was being preached, and you heard this message about Jesus, and your life was transformed. And there's people that aren't in this room that need to hear that message. How many of you have somebody in your life that you, know, you can think of right now that you're like, man, they need a touch of Jesus in their lives. And they need a life-giving church to be part of. The church is a gathering. It's not, it's not a building, although we're really grateful for this building. I, I like meeting here in Needham Chapel. Uh, but it's, it's not a building. The church is the gathering of the believers where we come together. And if you really want to go back and look in, in the New Testament, throughout the New Testament, the New Testament church, the gathering, it was for the believers. And too many times we've changed the whole gathering thing to be uh, super attractional, which I'm all for reaching people for Jesus. Hear me, please, hear my heart. But if you're so attractional that your focus is on reaching somebody or designing a service that's going to attract the unbeliever, 
then suddenly the Holy Spirit exits stage left and you only bring him out once or twice a year to talk and share a message about him or the gifts of the Holy Spirit. And I just believe, church, that that's not how God designed it. But that God is so attractional that when Jesus is lifted high, he says, I'm going to draw all the people unto me. And so when we gather together and we get loud in this place and we worship passionately, and sometimes it's reflective and on our knees, sometimes we're sitting back and just sitting in the presence of God, or sometimes we're standing with our hands lifted high and shouting, Jesus is lifted high. And when somebody walks into an environment like that where the Holy Spirit is honored, where Jesus is lifted high, lives change. I know my life was, and that's the kind of church we are. We're a Bible-based, spirit-empowered, presence-driven church, unashamedly. We long for the presence of God. We like to flow in the presence of God, as you uh, heard today with Kara and Abella and Juju leading in worship, and it was just so beautiful. I gotta be honest, as a dad, it was fun to have my daughter up there at 14 years old singing and helping lead worship. And there's, that's not nepotism. She's not up here because she's my daughter. But how many know she can sing? And she, she, she leads people into the presence of God. And so, love my juju. Well, this idea of for the one, it comes out of Matthew 18, 12. Famous passage of scripture. Many of you know it. Jesus is talking and he tells his disciples, he says, hey, if a man has a hundred sheep and one of them wanders away, what do you think he's going to do? Won't he leave the 99 others on the hills and go out and search for the one that is lost? And then in Luke 14, Jesus, he talks about uh, the master that's preparing a feast. And basically, he is the master, and he's preparing a feast. And, and, and it's, a, it's a powerful view as he's preparing this great feast, and he sends out, there's invitations that go out, everybody in the city, hey, come to this banquet, we're gonna have an awesome feast. And people say, oh, I can't today, I, I got a new job, or hey, I, I just bought a new car. That's oxen back in the day, for those of you that are reading ahead. And so, so I, I just got a new car, or I just got married, I got a young family, I'm not going to be at church for a while. And Jesus, Jesus is like, no, 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 send them out. And then he says this in verse 21, Luke 14, 21, check this out. It says, he says, go out quickly to the streets, thank you for that, amen, go out quickly to the streets in the lanes of the city, and what do you want? What do I want you to do? I want you to bring in the poor, bring in the crippled, bring in the blind, bring in the lame. And the servant said, Sir, what you've commanded has been done, and there's still room. There's still room in the house. And the master said this to his servant Go out to the highways, the hedges, and compel people to come in. Compel them, beg them, grab them, bring them in. Why? that my house, come on, let's say it together, that my house may be filled. This is the Lord's house. This is not authentic church, Jeff and Fawn and some of the, no, no, no. This is God's house and we are just honored to be stewards of whatever it is he wants to do under our watch during this time in history. And I'm grateful to live in the time that we are in history, amen? Last week we had uh, Senator Langford here, which was awesome. That was a great treat. If you didn't, if you weren't here for that message, he preached a beautiful message. He is a senator, but he served in ministry for over 20 years. And then he felt the call of God to go in to government and civic duty. So he said, okay, I'm going to go for it. And he went out and shocked the world and he won. <laughs> and now he's been a U.S. senator and he's running for re-election right now. But He's one that is very unpopular against some because he's so firm in his stance for the things of God, 
for what we define as marriage according to the Bible. And though some, may, may, some people may not know what a woman is, he would stand for the things. Is that okay to say? He would stand for the, he would, he would stand for the things that, that have a clear separation that God has designed and there is purpose. And it was, it was an awesome message. And after, after that Sunday, on Monday, I, I got on a plane and I flew up to Sacramento and I, I had already had this trip planned and I didn't even know when the senator was actually gonna be able to make it. I didn't know he was gonna be able to make it and spend time with us until the week of and I already had my trip booked. But I flew into Sacramento and I had all afternoon just to pray and walk the halls of our government. So I went to, to our, 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 our capital and walked around the halls of the government and I'm just praying, they let me in and, uh, and so they're like, this guy looks halfway normal, sure. And they were in session voting about something. And I just went in and I just prayed and just laid hands on every single wall, every west, north, south, east facing wall, and just prayed. I walked the grounds, I prayed over it, and I just prayed blessing over our, over our capital. And when I was there, I asked the Holy Spirit, I said, how do you want me to pray? I know what I wanna pray. <laughs> I got some things that I wanna pray. <laughs> And I just felt like the Holy Spirit said, pray for a shaking, that there's a shaking that's happening. And, and it was almost like there was an earthquake in, in, as I prayed this. There, there wasn't an earthquake in the physical realm, but I believe maybe there was one in the spiritual realm. But I, I just prayed for this shaking and that God is shaking things up. And he promises in his word, he says, everything that can be shaken will be shaken. And then what's left is going to be for him and his glory. And so I'm there praying and and, and, and worshiping, and I, I just saw the rise of the believers, like that message that Senator preached last, last weekend from Nehemiah about the remnant. And y'all are the remnant. We're the remnant. We're standing strong. And I wanna live my life as I look ahead at, at, at the coming Easter, Resurrection Sunday. For some of you that don't say Easter, please don't be offended by me saying Easter versus Resurrection Sunday. Resurrection Sunday equals Easter. I know, I know, all, yeah, I know, I get it. I've heard, I've heard all the debates. Okay, so if you, it's okay to say Easter, okay, you're not offending God. He's okay with that. He's drawing people in the house. But as I look forward to Resurrection Sunday, and I just think of, man, Lord, I'm gonna live my life as if I'm the only Christian in this area. I'm gonna live my life and I wanna, I wanna steward this church as if authentic is like the only church in the area. We have friends that live in Israel and for a long time their church was the only church, Christian church in Israel. And they know what it feels like to be the only guys that know, that know Jesus as Lord and Savior. And if we really know him as Lord and Savior, there's something inside of us that should compel us to share him with other people. So I wanna to talk today about the power of the gathering. And there's seven things that we can take a look. I'm gonna take you kind of down a, a little bit of a doctrinal path and lay a foundation for the purpose of the gathering, what happens in the course of our gatherings. But there's seven key things when you take a look at the gatherings doctrinally in the New Testament church that we're just gonna kind of unpack today. Number one is what we did earlier. We had the sharing of the Lord's Supper, communion. That is something, yes, you can take communion on your own, but you can't share in the Lord's Supper if there's no one to share the Lord's Supper with. Check this out, Acts 20, verse seven. On the first day of the week, we gathered with local believers to do what? To share in the Lord's Supper. Acts 2, 46. They worshiped together at the temple each day. They met in homes for the Lord's Supper and shared their meals with great 
joy, and generosity. Sharing the Lord's Supper is something that's designed to happen in the context of community. The second thing that happens, it's kind of a big for our community, is the sharing of our resources, is helping the hurting. I'm so blessed that as a church plant, I mean, you guys, we started on a beach and then in a park and then got chased out of the park and ended up in, it was COVID, it was crazy. God bless the police, but uh, they, they notified me unless I wanted to do prison ministry from the inside. <laughs> It'd be good to find another place to worship. <laughs> so we did. But we went all over the place. As a church plant, you guys gave last year over $15,000 in benevolence offerings to help those that were in need. I mean, come on. That happens as being part of the church. Anybody here ever been the recipient of resources? Thank God for the body of Christ. Man, I, I have. Fawn and I, we went through a tough time. And I'd love to tell you it was because I lost my job or the economy, but there was some really stupid investment decisions yours truly made. And we ended up upside down on a house. That was fun. And ended up losing it in the context of a short sale. And I remember putting my last diaper on my son River and going, we have no more diapers. And I know I overdrew the checking account when I filled up the gas tank. I don't know how we're going to do this. We're all out. We're out of credit. We're out. We're out. We're out. We're out. And the church does what the church does. They rallied around us. Hey, what can we do to help you guys? Somebody would show up with groceries, make me cry. The church would go grab boxes, and they had a food service thing. We could go get boxes of food, and we're getting boxes of food and being helped. And Christmas was coming along, and, man, I didn't, I, I didn't have money to put food on the table, let alone buy a Christmas gift. So we're looking, you know, Craigslist, secondhand, whatever we can find to get just some Christmas presents for our kids and I come home one night after leading worship at the church and somebody left this whole thing on our doorstep and it was gifts for our kids and gift cards up to the like $600 worth. And, you know, it's like that's, that's the beauty of the church. We gather together and we share in resources. Acts 2, 44. And all the believers met in one place and they shared everything that they had. I love the person that tries to debate the tithe. <laughs> and I don't like debating personally. I'm like, hey, read the scriptures and ask the Holy Spirit. And it's pretty simple. My approach to giving and finances is read the scriptures, pray, and obey. That's it. That's why here we don't necessarily do the arm twisting or passing of the buckets. There's nothing. I hate manipulation. All that stuff makes me want to vomit. And I think it makes God want to vomit. So we just want to do what pleases him. But it's like, hey, search the scriptures, pray, and obey. It's, but somebody wanted to debate tithing with me and says, oh, it's not New Testament. But Jesus said to the Pharisees, actually, the one thing you actually do good is you tithe. But let me tell you all the other things you're doing wrong, you know. Not much of a sandwich technique for Jesus there on the correction. And so, but, but they shared in all their resources. They sold houses and property and they just brought it and said, here, give it to anybody that needs it. Like, I mean, that's the church. In the sharing of resources, number, number three of the seven things that happen in the context of our gatherings, this is important, the operation of our gifts, both to give and to receive. 1 Corinthians 14, 26 says this, when you come together, each person has a vital role. Say, I have a vital role. We all have a vital role because each has gifts. One person might have a song, Another, a lesson to teach. Still another, a revelation from God. One person might speak in an unknown language. Another will offer interpretation. But all of this 
should be done to strengthen the life and the faith of the community. We need the gifts of the Spirit operating in our lives and in our church. And the gifts in operation requires community and connection, a place for you to utilize those gifts. Number four, there's an impartation. Once you're operating in the gift, there's an impartation that happens with your gift. It's the transfer of gifts, the anointing, and the faith. Romans 1.11 says, I long to see you. This is Paul writing. He says, I long to see you. Why? So that I may impart to you some spiritual gift to make you strong. Paul could not impart just through letters. And we read all of his letters. We receive from his letters. But Paul was saying, there's something that I want to give you, but I can't give it to you with mere words. I have to be there, and I have to actually lay hands on you. It's the doctrine of laying on of hands. 1 Timothy 4.14 says, do not neglect the spiritual gift that you received through the prophecy spoken over you when the elders of the church laid their hands on you. And I'm not gonna read it now, but Hebrews 6.2 helps to further frame out the doctrine of the laying on of hands. And if you've ever been in a situation where you needed prayer and somebody laid hands on you and prayed over you, did that impact you or what? And it's not an emotional thing. It's not. There's a spiritual impartation. There's a transference that happens. We have a gal that's part of our church. Her name's Lindsay Hellenius. Uh, she helps to teach with the kids, her and her husband. They're awesome leaders, incredible people. Lindsay has moved in the gift of healing. And, and so when somebody wasn't feeling well, I said, Lindsay, you have the gift of healing. Time to use it, girl. Time to work that. Go pray over that person. Now, we can all move in the gift of healing. But she has been given, there's a spiritual gift. When you take a look in 1 Corinthians 14, where it talks about all these spiritual gifts, one of the spiritual gifts is the gift of healing. And wouldn't you know it, sweet little Lindsay, just sweet and soft, just praise in Jesus' name, be healed, and then people would get healed. That's the gift of healing at work. The, the transference that happens. I've, I've, I've moved one of the gifts that, that God gave me, and I, I prayed for it. The Bible says when you're seeking spiritual gifts, one of the spiritual gifts to really desire, he highlights this one, is the gift of prophecy. Why? Because prophecy builds people up, right? Some would say knowledge puffs up, love builds up, prophecy really builds up. And so sometimes I'll be in the room, I feel nothing. But as soon as I lay my hands on them, there's something that happens. And then suddenly it's like, there's just like a download from, from God where suddenly the thoughts that are going through my brain aren't my thoughts. Do you know what I mean? And there's that transference. That's the Holy Spirit. And so I want to encourage us that this would be a place where if you have a gift on your life, and I believe every one of you do, do that we would utilize that gift to equip and build each other up. Now the pro primary way that that uh, impartation takes place is obviously through the laying on of hands, but it's also found just in the context of community. One of our core values at Authentic Church is community. In fact, I had prepared this message uh, a while back and, and was reflecting on it, and then uh, every week we send out what our core value is for the week. Uh, Lacey, our executive admin, sends that out to the, to the leaders, and, and the, the core value of the week was community. And our axiom for community is pull up a chair. And, and it's just that thought, that idea that it's inclusive, that everybody's welcome, that everybody can come in, that God has somebody, something for every person, that there's always a seat available in the house. 
The fifth thing, talking about seven things that happen in the context of our gathering, the fifth thing is the mutual transfer of courage. Anybody ever walked into an environment, man, and you just felt beat up? I remember times I went through seasons in my life, like that financial hardship, and man, it was a muster for me to get out the door and put a happy face on, because as a man, I found such pride, really, in providing for my family fairly well. And then suddenly I found myself without being able to scrape together two pennies, no money to go get a coffee or ice cream for the kids. And that was super humbling. And I'd walk into an environment like this, man, and the Holy Spirit would be moving and people would be singing, and I'd walk in and I wouldn't feel like singing. And I would just sit down and I would just be sitting there and somebody would walk over and say, hey Jeff, can I pray for you? And I'm like, sure, please, but I'm not feeling it. You know, I'm just so like, not the, you know, there's some people where you like, can I pray for you? And they're like, oh yes, please. I w- there was times where I was not that guy. <laughs> and so I'm, I'm closed off. I'm like, okay, pray. And you know what happened as they prayed? I began to soften. Courage began, began to come back into my soul. And then as worship went up and I said, you know what? I'm not, I'm not really feeling like it, but I'm gonna do like David did. I'm gonna try to encourage myself in the Lord. So I'm just gonna do this as an act of faith and I'm just gonna stand and I'm just gonna lift my hands in worship even though I don't feel like it. And I'm gonna say, great are you, Lord. You're awesome, you're mighty in this place. And as I did that, man, that stuff began to break off of me. So there's a transference of courage that comes into the room. Hebrews 10, 24 through 25 says, and let us consider thoughtfully how we may encourage one another to love and to do good deeds, not forsaking our meeting together. I gotta be honest, let me pause there. It was so difficult as a church planter looking for a place to gather and all we could find was the park, yet there's churches all over Orange County that had their doors locked and closed. And if you know of any one of those churches that wants to give their keys to a young up-and-coming church... (laughs) Introduce them. <laughs> By the way, when this was written, this scripture here, let me tell you what it was. Let me give you the quick backstory history lesson on this. Nero was crucifying Christians. They were going door to door looking for the gatherings. They were looking for all the Christians gathering together at the houses and everything else. And they would find them and they'd drag you out, your wife, your children, your infant daughter. They would drag you out. They would either kill you there as for fun or sport, or better yet, if they felt like you could put up a fight, they would throw you in the ring at the Coliseum so that everybody, all the paid people could come and watch as they ripped you and your children limb from limb and you died there for sport. That's what they would do. And Paul's saying, although that's happening, although that's happening and then they're taking corpses and lumping them in big heaps and lighting them on fire as human torches and lanterns so that people can see where to go at night, although that's happening, I'm telling you, don't stop meeting. There was such an emphasis on continuing to gather because Paul knew that there's a transference of courage. In isolation, man, you can get critical. If if last couple years taught us anything, it, it, it reiterated the fact what the Bible says, science finally caught up with, which is we are not designed to do life alone. When people are alone, they get critical, anxiety increases, depression increases, everything that's bad goes up and to the right on the graph. But man, when we come in community, there's healing, there's forgiveness, there's accountability, which is uncomfortable, but it's really good. We all need it. 
Every pastor needs a pastor, every person needs a pastor. We need that accountability in our lives. You're not called to live in isolation, but in community. The sixth thing, the authority of God resting on the gathering of the worshipers. There's a promise that comes with God's presence when the worshipers gather. Some of you felt it in the room today. I love that song that my daughter was singing, when you walk into the room, everything changes. And some of you, you came into this moment today and you felt that when, when we began to sing that song and the worship began to rise in this house, you were like, something's different. It's the presence of someone and his name is Jesus and he comes and walks in the room and things begin to shift. Psalms 22 verse three says, but you are holy. You're enthroned upon the praises of Israel, enthroned. Enthroned in the Hebrew, yasad, it means to literally to sit down, to take one's place, to inhabit and remain. That's what God does when the worshipers gather. He comes, he's enthroned in our praises. When the authority of God comes on a gathering, that authority, it arrests, it displaces all of their authority. So that authority of depression on your life goes. That authority of anxiety goes. That authority of bipolar goes. That authority of living in lack, poverty goes. Because the supreme authority walked in the room and his authority pushes aside every other thing that's been an authority in our lives. By the way, worship is not the warm-up to the sermon. I hope you don't feel that way. It's not the warm-up to the sermon. In fact, worship is the most important part. God could care less what I'm saying right now. I mean, he cares. He wants me, obviously, to share and teach good doctrine. There's all scriptures through that. But when God gets the most glory is not when I'm preaching. <laughs> when he gets the most gl glory is when somebody repents and calls on the name of the Lord and is saved, and when worship is going up and praises is happening. He's getting all the glory. And so he comes and he inhabits and is enthroned on the praises of his people. The seventh thing, seven things that happen in a gathering, the seventh is the manifest presence of Jesus among us. Hebrews 2.12 says, Jesus is not ashamed to call them brothers and sisters. He says, I will declare your name to my brothers and sisters. Where? In the assembly. I'm going to sing your praises. The voice of Jesus singing over us. Just think about that. The voice of Jesus singing over us. He sings over us as we're singing to him. Revelation 2.1 says that there are, these are the words of him who holds the seven stars in his right hand and walks among the seven golden lampstands. Now that's, that's the seven churches of Asia Minor that he's talking about, but it's saying that he's walking amongst them. And, if, and, and it says this will be read for all of time, and it has. The book of Revelation has been read through all the churches of that region, and, and since that time, it's been read many, many times in churches through centuries. And it'll be read until he comes. And it says Jesus is walking through. Just picture that. He walks through the churches. He's walking through the church. He comes and spends time with us. Matthew 18, 20 
For when two or three gather together in my name, I am there in the midst of them. So obviously, the presence of Jesus is there in the smallest of the gatherings. Rows are great, but circles are better, right? Rows are great. Gathering together here at church is awesome. But I love hearing stories of people gathering together, grabbing dinner, going and hanging out for church, after church, having a Bible study together, praying for each other, spending time together. I love seeing that. I love hearing that. So our gatherings are important. So what's our response? So our response is, it's pretty obvious. We, we need to gather. And there's people that need to be in the gathering that aren't here today. And there's good news, there's room. There's a seat over here, there's a couple seats back there, there's still some seats there. I think we could all squeeze together and squeeze some more people in. It's one of the reasons why we made the decision we're gonna do two services for Easter. We could open the doors and we could do some other things and try to keep it to one service, but honestly, I felt from the Holy Spirit and it seemed good to the leadership as well. I submitted it to them a few weeks ago and I said, hey, what do you think, this is what I'm feeling? And they're like, I think we should, I, I, I think we should. And so we're gonna gather, and we're gonna invite people. And so over the next few weeks, every single week as we laid up, as we lead up to Resurrection Sunday, we're just gonna kinda have a moment at the end of service that's gonna reiterate the, the purpose of the one. And today, I'm, I, when you walked in, you were given, hopefully you were given one of these thank you cards. A nice, big, giant thank you card. Plenty of room for you to write. And so... Uh, we were, you were given this thank you card, and the purpose of this, to kind of frame this for you, is I'm asking you, I mean, you can do what you like, it's a free country still, but I'm asking you to write a thank you card to the person who invited you. At some point in your life, someone invited you to a church, invited you to a gathering, somebody reached out a hand when you were far from God, and you didn't know if you could make it, somebody invited you. And so I'm, I'm gonna have a moment, I'm gonna have Kara come up and play the keys in the background, and I'm gonna have a moment for you where you can begin, you don't, we're not gonna take time to fully fill this out, but right now, who's that person that extended you a hand and said, hey, why don't you come to this Bible study? I, I, I wanna share something with you. Can, can I share about my Jesus with you? Can, can I share with you what, what God has done? Can I pray for you? Somebody at some point in all of our lives did that for us. For me, there was a, a guy that I met that was kind of a friend of the family's. Uh, he was a big baseball player, I was not. And he was umpiring like crazy for little leagues and my brothers and our families knew each other, but not really well. And he went away to college after high school and came back and I was working in downtown Seattle and so he would ride with me to work and we'd carpool together and uh, to save on gas and time but we ended up always taking my car because it was the only one that had air conditioning and Seattle summers were just not built for the summertime in Seattle so if it's remotely warm air conditioning is on <laughs> and so he would drop me off at my office and then continue up another mile or two to go to his work and then picked me up, and every time he picked me up, he had this ridiculous Christian music playing in his car. And I couldn't stand it, man. I just could not stand it, believe, believe it or not. I know, I love leading worship today, and worship is just like, man, I just love it. But at that time, I just thought it was so freaky weird, man. I grew up Catholic, 
And I was just not into it. I just like, man, the only time in Catholic church I raised my voice is when my mom pinched me for not paying attention, you know? Only time I lifted my hand is if I had a question, right? You know? And he would always have that. And then time would go on and, and he would invite me into his world. And it was through that that I gave my life to Jesus. And I was traveling for business and he was a college student down here in Southern California and I'd fly down and when I was in town, we'd get together and we'd have worship nights and Bible studies with some of his buddies. And we'd walk around his campus and uh, him and his girlfriend at the time were courting and about to get married and they were just so loving and inviting and it changed my life. And that campus that we used to walk around where my buddy went to school was right here in Vanguard University, believe it or not. I had no idea over 20 years ago that I'd be walking along a campus of the future home of a church that we would one day plant. <laughs> God's got a sense of humor, sense of humor. So I wrote my letter to my buddy Josh, and I'm just gonna read it to you now. To my dear friend Josh, I'm writing you today, reflecting on all that God has done and is doing in my life and I can't help but think of you. 23 years ago, you invited me to go to church and into your circle of friends. As a young, single dad, full, full of pride and shame, I don't know if you'll ever realize what that invitation meant to me. You, Jenny, and your family were so very welcoming, and I felt the love of God through you. I'm forever grateful. Thank you for not giving up on me. Thank you for seeing me through the eyes of Jesus and loving me despite my shortcomings. Love your friend, Jeff. There's someone in our lives that we need to thank if it wasn't for them, many of, many of us wouldn't be here right now. And so I just want to encourage you, write their name down. You can take time this week to write it down. If you want to sit in the service while we end and do some writing, you're welcome to. But I want to encourage you just to think for a moment. Man, the Lord loved you so much that he sent that person, that friend, across your path. And the Lord is sending you now across somebody else's path. And we're going to get into a little bit more of that next week. I'm going to pray. Why don't we all stand together as we end? We'll have the band come up now. Hallelujah. Jesus, thank you. Thank you for saving us. Thank you for your word. God, thank you. Thank you for meeting with us when we gather, God. You're so faithful, God. Lord, thank you for the people that have invited us. God, the invite that came to us, the hand of friendship that was extended to us. Jesus, thank you. We love you. We worship you. God, I pray that you would help us to have your eyes, Jesus. That we would see people with your eyes, through your lens, with love and grace and mercy. 
Holy Spirit, thank you for moving in this place. Holy Spirit, thank you. If you're here today, maybe you accepted an invitation from somebody and you barely made it to church today and the Savior just walked in the room and began knocking on your heart through this message and you're feeling the tugging. He's calling you. Just like a person gave you an invitation to be here today, Jesus has given you an invitation to come and join him at his banquet table. <laughs> and there's a place for you. There is a place for you. And he says, welcome home. Everyone who calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. So if that's you today, just call on his name. Jesus, Jesus, I just ask you, just come and receive me again. I've prayed this prayer a bunch of times and Lord, I'm coming back to you, God. I'm coming back to you, Jesus. Forgive me. Make me whole. I pray you'd set my feet on that solid rock again. How you'd help me stand. I pray your Holy Spirit right now would come and fill my life. Lord, I dedicate my life to you that I'm gonna live for you from this day forward. In Jesus' name. If that's the cry of your heart today, if that was the prayer of your heart, I would be so honored to meet you after service. Just come and grab me. I would love to chat with you see if there's anything I can do to walk with you specifically in the next week or so while you're moving forward in this, this next step. And I would encourage you, everyone, to join us at the Next Step class next week, especially if you're a new believer. We want to give you some great information and help you discover your gifts. Well, at this time, I'm going to ask the prayer team to come up front. And we're just going to make ourselves available to pray. If you need prayer for anything today, don't leave this place without getting prayed for. Don't leave this place without somebody laying their hands on you and praying and believing with you for whatever you need. If you need healing, if you need freedom, if, you need, if you're believing for a change in your job, if you need help in your marriage, if you need help with your kids, we want to pray with you. God loves you. He wants to meet with you. So we'll continue to sing and worship. And during this time, if you need prayer for anything, just go ahead and come up front. For more information on Authentic Church, visit us online at AuthenticOC.com.